0: to the Rest Podcast, where our goal is to help each and every one of you displace confusion, chaos, and dis in order to heal and find significance in life.
1: I am your host, Natalie Williams, and I am here with the author of The Reconstitution Method for Healing and Rest, Virginia Dixon. I'm so happy to have you two back to continue the conversation about the hope we can have and identifying how we got here and speaking honestly about the manifestation of the confusion, the chaos, and disease in every sphere, economic, political, in religions, institutions, and everything, there's beauty in the ashes. And I think the beauty is you kind of touched on it. When a tree isn't bearing fruit, you kind of want to do everything possible to restore the root system, right? And you touched on that a little bit, Casey. Can you yeah. tell us what's happening that we can all find hope in?
0: Yeah, I think we're standing in a moment. And I've heard some people refer to it as a gray zone and this bleeding between a end of an era and the beginning of something new. And, and we've seen this throughout history, the last 2000 years, it, it's kind of easier to point at, but I, I venture to guess if you went even thousands of years before that. About every 500 years we've seen historic macro shifts and, and usually culture and the church uh, and, and the expression of Christendom there was uh, you know kind of very spitting distance uh, in that time. So if we go back 500 years to the Reformation and, and paralleling that was the industrial Revolution the, the Gutenberg's printing press I mean literally, one of the things that perpetuated this reformation in a way that nothing else could have, that those things ha- happened hand in hand. We go back to the, the dark ages and the great schism of, I don't know, 1073. Was it? Some, somebody smarter than me knows this. But around that time, I mean, very significant things going on. The end of the Roman Empire towards the end of the, the 500 AD or 400 something AD and, and the great moment where we ask the question about staying fully unified as a church every 500 years we right now unlike any other time in history have seen technology hockey stick we've split the atom map the genome put a man on the moon now we have high speed high fiber whatever internet that allows people on opposite sides of the planet to talk in real time more people on social media and connected yet disconnected than ever in our lifetime. There's an acceleration, and I and I do believe there is a a different type of reformation upon us. Mm-hmm. And if if the last reformation was one of soteriology, meaning like what it meant to be saved, that was mm-hmm. Luther's main frustration with the church that they were kind of determining the terms with which people could get saved, whether it was indulgences and selling them for money, or he had a very difficult time because he said, hey, we're saved by grace through faith. And that wasn't what he experienced. So this massive reformation that led to like tens of thousands of schisms in the church came out of a questioning of that and a reforming of that.
1: And bloodshed, (laughs) I might add.
0: Tons of bloodshed. I I believe, and I can't predict this, but smarter people than i that that have eyes for this are seeing that this next reformation seems to be a reformation of ecclesiology which is everything that we were just talking about in the first segment which is what is the church what does it mean to be a part of the church of jesus to follow his ways to walk in a life that's yet different set apart in the world other world like what is the church and and paul expresses his understanding of the church in kind of five different ways, whether it's the church universal, the church of a region, the church of a city, the kind of lower seat church meeting in someone's house or us as the church. I think all aspects of of that are being challenged in this moment. And it's conversations like this that are moving the ball forward to say, okay, deconstruction is great, but what is it? What could it be? What, What might the Lord be bringing that we can get excited about?
1: Well, in my world, in my world, and it's really interesting, you should put it in that context, in my simple little world where people that have tried everything and are either dying or facing potential death, physical, their condition is causing them to face the reality that they may be leaving time or the death of a company, the death of a marriage, the death of a relationship, just death, right? Things that are very traumatic or sometimes the death of innocence. I find that the reformation that I'm seeing is a hunger for rest, mm. relational, emotional, and spiritual truth. They just want to know the truth. I can take the truth. When, when everything hits the fan in people's lives, they really, really want to know the truth privately behind closed doors. There's no political ideology. There's no religious sect. There's something so beautiful that transacts in the privacy Mm. of the sacred moments I share with people privately. And that is, I just want to know the truth. And I want to have a safe place where I can say the most heinous, horrific things without judgment, because Mm. I'm so confused. I'm so disoriented. I've suffered things that I can't bear to think about. It's not unusual to have somebody throw up in my office while they're reliving oh. things that I'll never repeat ever.
0: Yeah.
1: And my compassion for them and my compassion for the human condition and my sensitivity for truth just grows exponentially every single day with every person that walks in and out of my office. And I can tell you today that I have absolutely, I I say what what many of us, the more we read, the more we study, the less we fully, fully know, but the more somehow we begin to understand Mm -hmm. and judgment, judgment, meaning condemnation, judgment that comes with condemnation goes out the door because it doesn't matter. We're in this thing called life together. And mm. we have no higher calling than to learn how to love each other well. But I think the pilgrimage of rest is a form of reformation. And what you said just really touched me to the core because I realized mm. the greatest leader, the greatest philosopher, the greatest theologian, the greatest human, the greatest physician, <laughs> the greatest everything that ever lived was a person of Christ. Yeah. And he... He and he alone extended the invitation with a promise to come to him and he would give us rest for our soul, our mind, our heart, our will, our conscience, our feelings and that center cavity of of our bodies, right? Of our temple. And he promises rest. That means that in a state of this reformation and there is bloodshed, we're seeing the bloodshed I'm hearing and experiencing and seeing things I never thought I'd see in my lifetime. I knew Mm. they were coming, but not in my lifetime. And I think I live in that place of rest. I can invite people to experience that rest in the midst of this reformation that I believe we are heading for and we're going to experience. And many of us, I think, are going to be pilgrims in that. Pilgrims Uh. aren't settlers, but it's such a joy and a privilege. There isn't anything else I'd rather do with my professional life, my, my, Mm -hmm. in my free time, then really spend time reasoning and thinking and just having these discussions because we're for, for sure, planting trees. I think we're never going to sit under, but I take such joy in seeing those trees grow and the Liebrich family, there's a bunch of trees there. And patients, mm-hmm. and clients, and things that I serve, and people you serve, and and I think that's the joy, that's the hope, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: What What's it going to take? What's the cost of discipleship now?
0: In our context, it used to be defined as one point seven times attending church every month, two to three percent of your income, attending a small group uh, once a month, once well, every two months, and maybe doing some type of missionary work once once a year. That's, that's what it was in my context this year in Charlotte. But I think there's something different. There's a new definition. Um, and it has a lot, lot to do with faithfulness that comes out of our places of rest in, in him and identity. And the, and the problem with stuff like that, like the deeper work that Christ wants to do, it usually, and, and, I'm, and I'm sorry to say this again, it usually has a hard time being facilitated once a week for an hour and 15 minutes on a Sunday morning. And so I think the hope is that as as we said before, as people are longing for more, like just like you squeeze something, eventually things squeak out and find a way. And at first it's muddy and it's messy and it's a beautiful mess, but it's a mess of, hey, is this church? Can we call this church? What about this? Like, is this church right now? What do we do? do?" Like, there's a lot of that going on right now. And it's, and it is, it's, it's like beautiful, but it's messy because there's this whole, large constituency that says no no this is church and it looks like this and it smells like this and there's this other group going but that didn't work so we have like we have to do something else. we have to explore we have to experiment we have to be okay with being really small and seemingly insignificant and having no platform but yet experiencing the deeper work of christ in a community whether it's in a home, a restaurant, a bar, whatever.
1: Yeah. And the deepest hunger of people's soul is to be seen, heard, and understood. And, and the times are causing people to hunger for rest and wherever that's going to take place. And I'll tell you, I think that's, I've been reasoning through this for almost 40 years. (laughs) If you would have told me, that i'd be living through and experiencing and hearing and seeing and be operating at this capacity and that that little word would become so instrumental in my life's work and for a generation i would have mm. laughed i would have never believed it but it began with feeling very very uncomfortable in one of my classes at UCI and my professor my neuroscience professor and just uh no yeah. they're calling white black and black white and <sighs> everything just seemed backwards and that was almost 40 years ago wow that was that's amazing when you think about it that was 40 years ago i thought uh-uh something is wrong and when i think that it took me 40 years to reason through rest mm-hmm. And now I just see avalanches all around me. But I realize that that quiet, still voice in our intuition
0: mm-hmm.
1: that caused me to make great sacrifices to get here was really the voice of God inviting yeah. me to sacrifice and to do the hard work and to prepare and to research to develop something and to plant seeds that would grow into oak trees that I would never sit under the shade of. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you what a beautiful thing it is to just Mm -hmm. be 62 years old and see the fruit of sacrifice, not because I'm going to live to see the fruit of it, Mm -hmm. but because I could invite people into a space where we could have that reformation experience It's being transformed through the renewing of our mind. I invite people to reason and see things differently. So the fact that anything even like this is happening in a church and among pastors is an exciting thought. Mm -hmm. But I do want people to just not abandon hope in the messiness of the whole human experience. It's not pretty. But if we walk away from each other, then none of us will be left standing, right? Right. What's sacred about our common humanity is that we are made in the image of a creator God. And the reason I got into neuroscience, into physiology, into the discussion of anatomy and all of this and psychoneuroimmunology isn't because I wanted to, frankly, I never cared about any of that stuff. It's because I found that there wasn't any other way to go, but to integrate the conversation about all these disciplines that we've segregated. Yeah. How do you understand the heart independent of the liver or the colon independent of the stomach? How do you understand the stomach if you don't understand the brain? How do you understand well, the heart if you don't understand the network of our very anatomy. And it's that conversation that's become the most significant, convincing argument of the existence of a personal, loving, intimate God is Mm. understanding psychoneuroimmunology. And then having the courage and the strength to figure out how we can engage people in a conversation about what's true and what's not about God is or God isn't. And it wasn't until I began to study our very anatomy, that I began Mm -hmm. to find that the most beautiful testament of faith, of the existence of God is in my very hand. And I break all this down in our curriculum, right? But Jonathan, you're nodding your head. What are you thinking?
2: Yeah, just what you were talking about, how in your hand, right? Uh, The existence of God. And I was just reminded of the, the five things that we talk about.
1: Yeah, and how it's connected to your heart, to your organs, to your meridians, to everything. And then the fingerprint, there's not another fingerprint. I mean, we go on and on and on in in our classes and in our coursework, which by the way, we have online, we have module one and two and three, and it's the beginning of exposing people to information that'll cause them to not despair in the midst of this forthcoming reformation that I believe we're stepping into. By virtue of the fact that conventional things are dying because they Mm. didn't work. We have strayed from that table and the intimacy that comes with sitting around that table to have meaningful discussions. We're going back to that. And I love it.
0: Agreed. I have a friend who at one point led a really big church and now kind of helps in the micro church space. and, And he's much more of a pioneer than I am incredible evangelist in that he just sits in places with people (laughs) and and lets them tell their story and then explains to them how that's part of a bigger story. Anyway, he and I have been messaging about this concept of smaller, bigger, bigger, smaller. And, And we don't quite know what's on it, but the Lord just keeps speaking those two things in contrast that we And I refer to this, I think maybe in segment one, but we we are so enamored with the bigger, we forget that the smaller is where the biggest things happen. And I'm sure there's something in our anatomy, there's, there's fractals, our DNA, like literally who we are is wrapped up in something we can't even see yet. It's so big. Like it creates this thing that's talking right now and moving its arms called my body. And we, as the body of Christ, like understanding the bigness that we carry when we carry him and then connecting that to the, to the bigger picture, the small thing, the bigger. And I think there's something about connectivity in this next season where the smaller and, and being so okay with the smaller connecting and connecting and connecting. I mean, I think Paul says something about this, like connective tissue. Like there's something about that, that makes up the body that allows the flow of information, the flow of movement, the flow of, I mean, God's spirit, it is going to look and feel different. I, and I'm, I'm grasping at my words because it is to me such a mystery and such exciting, like, Ooh, like I wonder what Jesus is going to do, but there's something there.
1: Yeah. There is a molecule that holds the very, 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 very essence of our anatomy together in the context of what you just described. It's amazing. But I think the hope is at the end of the day, the most powerful force in the universe is to love well, yes. and to love. You've got to die to yourself. And before yes. you can die to yourself, you need to understand what makes you a person and a human being. And that is the spirit working through a soul in a body and having the courage and the strength to be honest with each other of how do we reconcile the conflicts we have within ourselves? We can change this thing, Mm. the confusion and chaos and disease, and heal the hemorrhaging heart of a generation of a nation. We can heal the hemorrhaging heart of our nation in one generation. And I'm watching it Mm. happen. And the Libriks are an example of two people Mm. became hundreds. And now we do rest events in North Carolina and... We're going on our first medical mission trip to Peru, but amazing things are happening with rest outside of what I could have ever envisioned. And it's because at the end of the day, it speaks to what we share as human beings, as people, and it Mm -hmm. speaks to what is sacred about our common humanity. We are made in the image of a creator God. And the expression of that is necessary and the understanding of that is always a worthy conversation. So, Jonathan, you go first with closing thoughts from the things you've heard today.
2: Yeah, this this hope is very exciting in that like the hope is people who want truth and who are seeking truth and willing to have these difficult conversations to receive that truth and to see the transformation. I, I also love the idea of the table. It just seems like God is really speaking to that uh, right now in my own life. We have friends who have a ministry here in North Carolina where every week they go out and they bring food to the homeless people in one of the most impoverished parts of the city. And they liter- it's literally just to go and sit at a table with them. And it takes time. It takes time to build trust. It takes time to build safety and to allow these people to step into these conversations of transformation and discipleship, and it happens around the table. And then these, there's that common humanity, right? That that hope that begins to be kindled, and it's through that discipleship that they find rest. Um, and I'm excited to to see this being done. This uh, this to be Expand. to be done in the church.
1: To be honest with you. I've seen such crazy things happening that when people expressed fear, concern, or I see what they're doing, I don't want to be a part of that. I understand. Mm -hmm. And so I'm excited to hear from you about what you're, I'm looking forward to hear from you what you're excited about as a pastor and where things are, yeah.
0: I, I think I'm really excited about the fact that just in in this little uh, community here in in Southeast Charlotte, a bunch of folks are are talking about in this last year, a couple of years, we've been really fascinated with the AA community. And this might be a totally other conversation, but the theory of change and the theory of what it takes to see someone go from point A to point B, uh, we talk about transformation. I mean, the Bible is filled with transformation. Jesus filled with talking about transformation, but like, What what does that take? And um, we have a heavy concentration, high percentage of folks in our community that happen to come from the, the recovery community. And I was very resistant, but finally kind of gave in a year or so ago and said, fine, we'll try to make a discipleship pathway that includes principles of the recovery community. But I think this is stupid. And a year later, I've never been more convinced, convicted or excited about what we're seeing Because we moved away from knowledge based information transfer discipleship to the the thought process of how do you change someone's narrative? How do you change the narrative of someone's mindset? What is truth? Who am I? Who is God? To put it all on the table and then to reconstruct it through a a process uh, that is incredibly relational, that is incredibly costly. And yet we are seeing, I am already seeing like more transformation in individuals' lives than, than I have in my entire career of pastoring. And while this is one microcosm of, I'm sure a lot of other beautiful things that are happening across our country, this is something that for me is very personal. And if it only touches the 20 or so people in our community, that's fine, but I don't think it will. So that's something that's very encouraging to me.
1: Yep. Because in that community, in that tight community, when there's that kind of desire, for intimacy. Intuitively, the pursuit will always be for truth beyond Mm -hmm. feelings. And one thing that I do think that platform invites people into is to be real with themselves and to face things they don't want to talk about or think about and to speak to those things without judgment or condemnation of self or others. And I think that's really powerful. I think it puts a dagger in the soul of honestly, the demons that haunt us. Mm -hmm. My fear is that that doesn't become a false religion and that the power and the authority of God's work through these principles of Liberty that appeal to our natural affection that we don't miss the truth that look until you die to yourself and you pick up your cross and you really step in to understand that the person of Christ ushered in a kingdom. And I see the fruit of that kingdom with some of the biometrics that I use, that kingdom has consequences Mm -hmm. in the quantum field of energy that I measure that I see. And this would blow your mind. I've started working more and more and scanning babies and children and people from the thousands of people that I've scanned. And I realized that their very anatomy will tell me the consequence of what they've experienced in terms of traumas or darkness or love. It is carried wow. in their very anatomy. And the disparity between this and the stories they learn to tell themselves, that's the anatomy of disease. So I can scan a little child and Jonathan is a father and he bears witness of this. And without knowing anything about that sweet little girls in utero and early childhood experience, there is a blueprint of her whole life story, and I got it out of a biometric scan of what the body's wow. carrying. So the conflicts of a generation are, in fact, passed down. So we need to be kind and gentle to each other as we embark on this reformation, because we're all carrying things we do not understand. And we need to stop judging people as having character deficits when, in fact, There's generational things that are a mystery even to them. And oftentimes Mm -hmm. there's neurological imbalances from trauma that they know very little of. So that's the hope I have. The technology is giving us on a silver platter truth to be honestly discussed and explored. And I'm hoping that information like these resources that I have become more and more accessible to the masses. And certainly as we deposit cells of rest throughout the country and the world, honestly, I'm going to Peru next week on a medical mission, but we can put these resources in the hands of people. Because when you can see that a three-year-old is carrying violent thoughts of hate with an intent to bring harm you see that this sweet innocent little thing is carrying on a narrative and a history that doesn't have anything to do with him so the people then that are raising him don't become reactive to the behavior but we can start understanding hey this is a person with a soul and this is a human being so we got to understand personhood, human being, and the spirituality of this person to help him heal. And all of a sudden it helps, in my opinion, abuse not continue to perpetuate itself. The parent can look on compassion beyond the behavior into the anatomy and the physiology and into the soul of this child that can barely speak. So yeah. amazing things are upon us in this reformation. So I just wanted to talk briefly about, or just to share with you, Casey, in in the field of psychoneuroimmunology and physiology and in functional medicine, we have resources that would blow your mind at our disposal to help Mm. people bring about and facilitate those amazing discussions around that table.
0: Sounds like a blast.
1: Isn't it amazing?
0: Yes. 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 I'm so, so glad that we know each other now. Yes,
1: I am too. Cause we're going to have other conversations. Thank you both <laughs> so much for this conversation.
0: Uh, thank you. Uh, Virginia, be safe in Peru, please. Bye. You too. Yeah. Please pray I... for us. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Absolutely. Yep. All right. See you guys. Bye Casey